Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the program. We are live from Blastoff Productions here in New York City, and you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. <clears throat> At this hour, the international buyer market has cooled, but is it frozen? What has happened and what is happening? What are the experts' opinion on the future of this market here in New York? We have our international expert with us today, Nikki Field, from Sotheby's International Realty, and we will dig into that market with Nikki in just a few minutes. Also at this hour, during New York's real estate boom, giant apartment towers soared into the clouds, but now that market has cooled as well. Some of these developers are producing some extraordinarily tiny townhouses as a result on a cobblestone lower manhattan street near the approach to the brooklyn bridge a four-story house is about to go on the market for five million dollars even though the widest room measures only 10 feet are these tiny houses really in demand but first i'd like to welcome my listeners in the united states and around the world i'm vince rocco and you are listening to good morning new york real estate in the news this morning Parking is always an issue in New York City, and last week, Alec Baldwin was arrested for allegedly punching a man over a parking space. In a classic New York City move, of course, we've all seen this, in a classic New York City move, Baldwin had someone holding the space for him (laughs) outside his house on East 10th Street, king that he is, yeah, and then had another car swoop in and steal the space. So a fight ensued, and well, you can only imagine what just happened, he got arrested. Nothing really changes with that guy. Unbelievable. After several, I love him though. I love him. Absolutely yeah, you fantastic. gotta love him. After several New York City cabbies committed suicide earlier this year, the TLC has waived nearly twenty million dollars in fees owed by the local medallion owners. As the value of taxi medallions has plummeted, medallion owners have been under severe financial duress. The TLC's move is an attempt to alleviate that burden. The city has released its first predatory landlord watch list. The list produced by the New York City Department of Housing and Preservation identifies 51 properties in which tenants may face harassment from landlords who are eager to free their buildings of rent-regulated units. Uh, And over 1,100 children in New York City were born homeless last year. Although eviction and domestic violence are often causes for homelessness, the birth of a child is common reason families enter the shelter system from the beginning. Last year, the number of children under the age of six living in shelters grew to 11,234. Oh, That's kind of sad. That's so sad. The expansion of the American Museum of Natural History has been halted by a lawsuit. The lawsuit has been raised by a local community group who has taken issue with the expansion's impact on the nearby Theodore Roosevelt Park. Local synagogues are encouraging New Yorkers of all faiths to show up for Shabbat this weekend. In response to the shooting in Pittsburgh last week, local rabbis are promoting a campaign to show solidarity with victims and are encouraging participants of all backgrounds to attend Shabbat services. What a great idea. That's very good idea. A team of former opioid addicts ran the New York City Marathon last week. This is great. <laughs> oh, Odyssey House. Yeah, that's that's amazing. amazing. This, this is a great story. Odyssey House, a local rehab center, is encouraging recovering addicts to adopt long-distance running as part of their recovery program. So a team of 19 of them ran the marathon. Awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. And, um, we love amazing. a good success story. Yeah, and did great. very well. So uh, bless the them for sure. <laughs> Amazon isn't the only tech giant that's looking to increase its New York City presence. Earlier this year, it was revealed that Google was set to purchase the Chelsea Market Building and expand the amount of space. Wait a minute. Is, is the Food Network going to go away? I mean, that's crazy. 
in place oh. of uh, isn't that where they are? They are yeah, they are there. Okay. So Google wants to, to purchase the Chelsea Maybe they're Park building and expand the amount of space it plans on leasing at Pier 57. Now, the dominating search engine company is reportedly nearing a deal that could make space for even more employees. According to the Wall Street Journal, Google is negotiating a deal to either buy or lease at the forthcoming 1.3 million square foot building at St. John's Terminal in the West Village. And roll out the weekend, the welcome mat rather, Travis I think it's Kalanick, the founder and former CEO of Uber, who stepped down last year amid various controversies, is moving to Soho. According to the Wall Street <laughs> Journal, Kalanick, whose net worth is estimated at $5.9 billion, poor thing, has purchased the penthouse <laughs> at 565 Broom Street for $36.5 million. Earlier this year, Kalanick divested 30% of his assets from Uber for $1.3 billion, a chunk of change that perhaps makes the $36.5 million purchase more palatable. The unit spans the top two floors of a the new Renzo Piano Design Tower just east of Varick Street. And I wonder if Nikki Field was his agent on that deal. <laughs> Mom's the word. Mom's the word. There you go. You see, Discretion. I can just only just imagine. Anyway, as we said, Nikki Field is here today. She is a dynamic presence with Sotheby's International Realty since 1998, consistently ranking among the global agency's top producers and accomplishing over $2 billion in sales. I love when I read that all the time, $2 billion in sales, amazing. 2017's America's Top 250 Real Estate Professionals by the Wall Street Journal ranked Nikki in the top team, uh, the top teams in America among the top 18 agents in New York City and the number two uh, team in Eastside Manhattan office of Sotheby's for sales volume. She leads one of the strongest teams in the ultra-competitive Manhattan luxury market, real uh, residential real estate market. The field team has ranked the number one New York City sales team at Sotheby's for the past 10 years. The team's advantage consists of 16 experienced professionals, each with general market strength as well as a mastery of a specific area and clients who benefit from the knowledge and experience of the entire team. She and her team specialize in Manhattan's luxury co-op condo, townhouse, and new development markets. We do not leave a stone unturned with the Nikki Field team. We are all over the map. Good Welcome morning, and good morning. <laughs> good morning, Vince Rocco. So, how are you? Good to see you. You've I'm been a while. very impressed to be sitting around this table of power producers. My first question is, who in the hell is selling real estate today? Because all the major players are right here. We're going to, ah, there we hour. go. Well, we, we deserve an hour anyway, right? And maybe a coffee break afterwards. So anyway, I want to talk a little bit about where, you know, you you touch so many different marketplaces here in New York. You also touch the international marketplace. I want to talk a little bit first about, you know, the economic numbers came out last week. I read these same numbers last week on the show. Employment in New York was 1.6% higher in September than a year ago, with 71,000 jobs added. The gross domestic product expanded at uh, a 3.5% annual pace in the third quarter, higher than most economic uh, economics expected. Economists rather expected. Combined with the second quarter 4.2% growth rate, this marks the sixth best growth period in years. Consumer spending, uh, which accounts uh, for more than two thirds of the GDP, grew at the fastest pace in almost 30 years. Mortgage rates, though, uh, conventional mortgages averaged 4.86% during the week ending October 25th. So the reason I, I rattle off all those statistics is because if you look at the economy today in the United States, if you look at the economy today in New York City, and we touched on this a little bit last week, things seem to be booming. So part two to that is in the New York real estate market right now, um, you know, some people say there's been a little bit of a spike the last week or two, but really 
we have been sort of in the doldrums for a while. What, how, in your opinion, as one of the superstar agents in this town, how do you account for, you know, a, a slowdown in real estate when everything else around us seems to be booming? Frankly, it is an anomaly that we in the industry, as well as the real estate press, have been trying to figure out for now two plus years. In fact, even more dire, the last four quarters in the residential market, we've seen a, a constant, consistent decline. Um, the, it's a story that's quite simple. Our market is clogged with listings. Mm. It's a supply and demand issue. Mm. And when we see this kind of product out there, and our buyers have so many extraordinary opportunities, and the sellers are competing and vying like never before to get their product in front of the customer, secure a offer, and close a deal, we have a great buyer's market with compelling prices. This inventory is going to continue to continue. You've done this story many times, Vince. Our, our developers continue to dig holes in the ground. They're raising buildings with hundreds at a time of new units, as well as we have a huge group of baby boomers in Manhattan that want to exit or at least downsize. We all know we have a tale of multiple markets here. We have our new development market. We certainly have our resale market that's competitive. We definitely have a co-op market that is somewhat on life support. And then we have this international market that obviously keeps us all on our toes. Yeah, we're going to get to that after the break, the international market. But let's let's talk a little bit about the new development marketplace, which I think has seen probably the greatest slowdown of, of, of all of our different, uh, you know, housing stocks out there. And at a time when, you, you know, new development was always, you put something out, as you say, you dig a hole, and before the hole is even built upon, half the building is sold out. Okay, we all have that experience, um, and I certainly have. So, but we don't see that today. We wait, we're waiting until buildings are finished. We're waiting to get into the buildings to start selling. And we're still chugging along, and we're still chugging along. Yes, of course, sales are being done, and sales are being made, but not at that fast and furious pace that it used to. <clears throat> why new developments? Yes, we have a glut of, uh, of inventory out there, but why specifically new development? Well, just like our situation of uh, supply and demand is a major factor on the current uh, market, um, instant gratification mm. is the new must have demand for most buyers. They're not ready in many, many cases to wait two years, 18 months, possibly three years Correct. to enjoy. They have their money. They want what they want. They Correct. want it now. And they don't have to wait. This Correct. is not 2011 when Excel was digging their first 157 and everybody waited for that product. You now can move in within a month of locating and and successfully negotiating a product. I agree with that 100%, and, and that's exactly what I see. People don't have the patience anymore, whether it's a little bit of fear, a little bit of impatience, or all of the above. They have the money, as you say. They want to go go and buy something. They want to do it tomorrow and call it a day. Anyway, we have a lot more to talk to Nikki about. We'll leave it there for the moment. Take a break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters. Performing at the top of their game, each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Now, back to the show. Hey, everybody, we are back with Nikki Field on the panel. I wanted to get a little more into. We had a great conversation on the commercial break. <laughs> yes, let's please repeat that for the for the listeners out there. But the point is well taken. People have less patience today to wait for something. As Brian said a little bit uh, a while ago, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. You don't know. Years ago, they'd sign a contract. You'd wait six months, eight months, eighteen months in some cases. But you always knew you were appreciating as the months went by. Correct. Yeah, I think Correct. that's the second half to to what Nikki said was that it used to be a few years ago people could put a contract deposit down on a new development by the time it was finished they've made money. I mean, I have clients that did that, and so not only is the instant gratification thing an issue, but the fact that people can no longer just buy on paper and make money, they're going to be much more hesitant to purchase. Uh, that if was we're meant to be your reward for the risk of buying something that was not yet built. Yeah, now, that's right. Buyers want to taste and touch and feel and see what they're actually buying, see the views, which thankfully there are the mm-hmm. drones now, so you do that takes some of the guesswork out of yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The yeah. compelling factor when we were selling in those years was the potential for that closing turnover and that profit margin. I mean, who could resist when you could say you can live in the most fabulous place in the world Plus, we're going to make a lot of money together on it. Well, those days are gone. I mean, I had clients that would call me and say, hey, John, I've made $300,000 now and I haven't even closed. Hey, John, I've made $400,000 now and I haven't even closed. And that just- Can we flip? That does, yeah, I mean, people did that. Yeah. When CORE launched Walker did. Towers, I mean, uh, like that was that was kind of an unprecedented issue. Oh, where that was amazing. People were flipping mm-hmm. within days of closing and yeah. making big money. Yeah. We also have another element, our fallback, if there was not an instant exit was leasing and an income. Uh, now, because of our competitive rental market, oh my gosh, yeah. I don't even know if I can fill the property mm. that I'm about to close on. So Good we have point. to be really forthcoming and transparent about the opportunity and the length of that opportunity. And I'm not negative on this market at all. No, no, no. It's being realistic. Started that way. Absolutely. It's just a little more time is going to be considered in these spreadsheets as far as when we're going to be able to deliver that profit, get you out and on to the new things. Let me ask you something, because you mentioned it before the break, uh, or maybe during the break, excuse me, but the co-op market seems to be on life support. Mm. I love that analogy. Explain that to us. Co-op market is um, is the real opportunity, as we all know right now. And if you're not looking at and considering buying a co-op, um, you're missing a 
the best opportunity we've had since 2008, without a doubt. Our co-op market has generally, and of course I'm, I'm using an average here, adjusted about 30%. Mm. And this is an opportune time to secure a really fine quality of life in Manhattan. Mm. You don't have to compete with the new development. You don't have to wait any longer. You can get into a really fine residence at a far lower price than just a couple years ago. Nikki, what price point are we talking about for that, for co-ops? At all entry levels, uh, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the luxury market and new development, but we're talking about all price points, and we're talking about studios on up to the 20 rooms on Fifth Avenue. We're seeing enormous price adjustments. I'll give you an example. Just did a deal yesterday, well-known building um, on Fifth Avenue. Our asking price was $50 million. My buyer got a 34% reduction. Wow. Whoa. That's impressive. That's a deal. That's a steal. But the seller understands it. And the seller, and and what we really need and continue to look forward to is educated sellers that understand the market like we do. But I think the boards are starting to catch up too. Because that's the issue is that a co-op, for those that are listening, in a condo, you basically purchase and a board can just exercise first uh, right of refusal. But in a co-op, um, I've seen and known of deals where the board says, no, we don't like the price that you're selling this for. Too cheap. Even for though, sale, yeah, it could be an estate yeah. sale. It could need a lot of work. But the board says, we don't like how this reflects on this, you know, it's arbitrary measurement of shares. That was yesterday's market. That's right. What's happening now with now boards, and we speak in, in front of a number of them because we need to educate them on, yes. on the reality of the real time of the market. Thank you. Let's yeah, move this product. Yeah understand the conditions of the market. Let's get people that qualify, that can afford to purchase, that can afford to carry the property at any price point. We understand it's affecting the value of your shares. We recognize that. But having dormant properties like we have in some of the key buildings in Manhattan, we're talking about double-digit numbers in major Fifth and, and Park Avenue buildings. Inventory that's been lying there for two, three, four, and five years. That's got to end. Move that product, get rid of the old wood, and you too will see an increase slowly beginning in your building. Uh, it's just like educating yeah. educating our seller clients in terms of where they need to be. This is not the market of yesterday. It's educating co-op boards that you really need to be open eyes to every offer that comes on the table because this is the only way that you're going to be able to move the product in your building. Another thing that we're doing with co-op boards, and it's resonated, is helping them to be competitive with the all-powerful condo purchase. And that's called purchase structure. So co-ops have always in the past been very restrictive about how you purchase your co-op, meaning primary residence in most cases, uh, published and purchased in uh, the owner's real name. Correct. Uh, Many very significant co-ops are now permitting LLCs, Mm -hmm. trusts parents to buy for their children we just have to continue to give them the comfort level that this structure will work for them and will move that dormant and i think it's a it's a moving target but i think it's a slower moving target but to john's point before i you know that really needs to change significantly before we can get them all on board but you're right there is a lot of movement in that direction because i've seen llc purchases i've seen parents buying for children out of nowhere never would have happened before. never mm-hmm. especially in some of the 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 hot, hotter neighborhoods old Let's, school they're learning some new rules listen to an old dog new yeah, tricks yeah, Whatever, right, you yeah. know my father used to say you're never too old to learn something right so right. if it takes them a little longer than the rest that's okay but as long as they come on board that helps all of us and it certainly helps our buyers 
Let's move to the international marketplace. So you you My play favorite topic. you play very Hello. big in the Asian marketplace. You've got an Asian desk on your team. Give us an update, Nikki. Where are we with the Asian market today, and how are the investors buying or not buying today in this marketplace? Okay. Let's start macro and talk about foreign investors per se. Um, they're still spending money in New York, just not as aggressively mm-hmm. as two years ago. There was, and it's been published, a 21% decline by international buyers. Um, that was fiscal year, which ended in March of 2018. 18, 21% yeah. decline. And we were on a raw, raw trajectory with the international buyers. They're still there. They're different. They're different in profile. They're sometimes different in nationality. Uh, but it's still extremely attractive to foreign buyers. Um, however... Our reign as the top global market, New York, has ended. We're no longer the number one go-to place for for international buyers. London is now cheaper, and London is closer to many of these people's homes. Uh, They have again risen after their own um, uh, uh, adjustment period, and and now we are vying with L.A. uh, for the number two spot. So we've got to be very, very competitive in what we're offering. That means being price sensitive to our our international I was going to ask you, how do we differentiate ourselves, New Yorkers, mm-hmm. to the Los Angeles market, the London market, for a foreign buyer that says, well, I prefer New York because of this or L.A. because of that? Or is it really just down to the price and the actual individual investment in a particular building? I mean, how do we look at that and say we want to be more competitive and, and, and lure more investors here. All right. Well, for for users, owner users, it's it's definitely location. Correct. Asians in particular, Indians as well. Indians are rising. I just mm-hmm. opened up an India mm-hmm. desk February eighth. Launched that, and just FYI, twenty two percent of our sales this year. We've we've just capped a little over four hundred. We're to mainland Indian buyers. Wow. wow. So we can talk about that That's in impressive. a moment. Yeah. But yeah. how do we lure the investors? Purely those that are stashing cash, in many cases, it's offshore and it's good money, clean money, well-earned money, but they want to put it in a safe haven. And most of these international buyers, you'd be very, very amazed um, for those of you that haven't been working with them. Many of them, in fact, I say most of them made it in some type of real estate, whether it was development, construction, mm-hmm. roads, or, or building um, homes or commercial buildings in their own countries. So investment-wise, we have to be competitive, and we're all the same. LA's return is exactly on the money as ours. We're looking under 3% for immediate. London is showing off our higher immediate uh, leasing return, closer to 45 to 5%. Long-term is what we dance on. Yeah, that's in New right. York, that's no right. one has this trajectory of long-term return. No one in the history of real estate has been able to deliver these kind of numbers. So that's the mantra. That's the song you sing or whisper into their ear. Mm-hmm. Hold your money here. I'll give you a call when it's time to exit. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key for people okay. listening is that you, there are a lot of places where you can go and get like a 7 or 8% um, uh, cap rate on, on an investment 
but the but the equity appreciation is next to nothing. It's it's nowhere near that. So when I speak to investors, they start asking like, oh, can I get six percent, seven percent, eight percent? And I say, not unless you've got a ton of cash and and if you can touch the things that other people can't. You may look at three percent or less. You may look at a flat investment for some time, but as Nikki just said, it's really about the long term hold. And yes. the international investor, much more so than the U.S. investor wants brand, wants yeah. location. Right. Mm-hmm. They're much more comfortable mm-hmm. with it. They're buying outside of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. It's outside of their culture, their language, their their food uh, preferences. They need something that they're familiar with, and that's location or brand or a well-known developer. Uh, they just need that additional um, security. And you know, Nikki, last time you were on the show, I had a lot of questions afterwards saying that people love listening to your your, your Asian stories, your, your foreign investor stories, but a couple of people said to me, because of what you just said, it's such a cultural difference. It's such a cultural change to buy here versus in their own motherlands, wherever they're coming from. So the question to me is always, so how does Nikki get these people to feel comfortable enough to purchase And in some cases, very big numbers. No, seriously, what, you know, it's all about trust, as we know, in our local market. So now you're going across the world and and making people feel comfortable or not to purchase here. So the question always is, how does she do that? A good question. It took me a long time to learn that. All right. I spent the first couple of years, 2008, 2009, thinking that my own sales skills would translate into um, credible um, uh, sales with international buyers. Well, it didn't. Mm. As much as I knew and as much as I traveled, uh, they didn't fully trust me. So I soon learned you must have a valued uh, wealth advisor to make that introduction. Hmm. And that's who we focus in on. My Asia desk, my Moscow desk, my Middle East desk, and now my India desk. It's about first working with the influencers from that location, letting them know about the opportunities that we have here. They make the introduction. Through the strength of that introduction, I now have credibility. They don't know me. They don't know New York. But their advisor had said, these are the people to work with. This is the town to buy in, and I'm handing you over. And here now, are the reasons forget, why. Yeah. That, that is a massive That's amount a of yeah. uh, responsibility yeah. because if you let that wealth advisor down and you don't – if you don't relay credible, valuable, transparent information and do a good deal for their client, you don't get another referral from them. So if they're a wealth advisor that has a high net and specific and ultra high net with client, I've probably spoken to them, reached out to them, or had an introduction to them. All right, we have to take a break. You're live from Last Off Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. We will be right back with Nikki and the panel right after these messages. Don't go away. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. (laughs) 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, we are back. What was that all? <laughs> we are here. Nikki Field is going to stay with us for the rest of the hour. Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman, Anna Shagalaw from Halstead Real Estate, Ari Harkoff from uh, Halstead Real Estate, Phil Horrigan, FreelyAndLeaseBreak.com, Niall Lundgren from Compass, Brian Giambalvo from Corcoran, and John Harrison from CORE. So good morning and welcome, everybody. Good, good morning. morning. Okay, good morning. Nikki, just one last quick question to you. So your quick prediction on where this local marketplace goes uh, for the rest of this year into, say, the first quarter of next year. Same, change, up, down, flat. Where are we? I'm very bullish on, okay. on buying, and we will yeah. continue to see price reductions. It is the single, possibly the single best buying market of our lifetime. Um, Absolutely. Truly feel that I way. And that in itself delivers a strong market. So if buyers embrace these opportunities, inventory will start to deplete. New product will continue to be built. Prices will go up. So this is the time. Mm-hmm. This is the moment. Buy smart. Buy, buy, buy smart. now. And hold on to it. And and hold on to it, indeed. We're really very excited about this market, Vince. I, Can I ask a follow-up question I to that? Agree. Go ahead. Uh, th- Vince, th- thanks for having me on the show. Nikki, you say it's about price reductions. Do you think there's a mentality in buyers that they wait for a price reduction, even though it's listed at the right price? Mm-hmm. They wait, thinking that everything else has had a price reduction. I'm going to wait for this property that's new to the market that is actually price right. I'm going to wait for it to have a price reduction. Very good question. That's why these buyers need people like you, John. Um, They need to understand where the pricing came from, the comparables that they're priced against. I mean, a price cut three times over just says that it was an aggressively priced property, the seller was not realistic, and they have now been tortured into an appropriate price point. <laughs> but <laughs> true. Very, very good torture. possibly by three brokers last year. Possibly by three brokers. But, very but good. the smart, um, realistic seller who is either, when we love these people more than anything, who's taking advantage of this buyer's market. Mm-hmm. I mean, who do we all curve. love? Someone who calls and says, I want to buy up. I, I'm living in a classic six and I can now afford a 10 on Park Avenue. Love this guy because <laughs> he's smart enough to know that we can price his property at value right out of the gate, get it done, and he can more than take advantage of it with the spread on the buy up. Good. Okay, this is true. All right, anyway, from the uh, foreign desk in India and, and Asia and whatever, we're going to Brooklyn. Brooklyn <laughs> luxury is that market. really a big stretch? <laughs> big stretch. The market picked up in Brooklyn slightly last week by sales volume, but dropped by dollar volume. The market saw 17 contracts, signed overall split between 13 houses and four condos. I found that interesting. Yeah, the property interesting sold split. for about $46.8 million in total for an average price of roughly $2.75 million. This according to the latest report from Stribling. The firm that defines the borough's luxury market as all homes priced at $2 million or higher. So are prices finally starting to level off in Brooklyn, go down in Brooklyn, stay flat? What's happening? Because for the longest time, as we report on this show week after week, you know, Brooklyn soars 
and Manhattan declined. So what's going on in Brooklyn, guys? I wonder if that's a large enough sample to really that's a very fair. make you it's know a, a good huge a good momentum comment. reflection. But uh, I, I live in Brooklyn. I work a lot in, in Manhattan and in Brooklyn, um, and I'd say that Brooklyn has continued to represent a strong. Um, opportunity for people to buy. I think that because of this surplus of inventory in Manhattan, though, maybe it isn't as fast of an acceleration as it was a couple of years ago when everybody was trying to get out because of prices. Let's go to Brooklyn. Let's go to Queens. So I think that we're still kind of in a somewhere in between. Place, what we personally. say in my office is if you can't afford Brooklyn, come back to Manhattan. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that's, there's <laughs> the the difference, where we are today. The difference though, is that, that slogan. Brooklyn, Brooklyn is now trendy as well. It so is. it's not it's not always just about the dollar point. It's it could also be just people want to be in Brooklyn because it's cooler. Ari Hokov. They think it is. Uh, am I the local Brooklyn expert? Yes. We've been looking at Ari. One of. Yeah, I mean the Brooklyn market is is I think it's declining like the rest of the market right now. I mean there is uh, we're dealing with a couple issues in Brooklyn right now. One is the carrying costs on these developments has gone up significantly because tax abatements have gone away, and the buildings that are being built right now have full amenities and full services, and buyers were not used to seeing that years ago. So you've got 30 unit buildings with the same services as 300 unit buildings, and so the common charges are higher. Um, and to Nikki's point, you know there's there's a collapse uh, between the pricing between Manhattan and Brooklyn, so there isn't the same value that there once was. Uh, so the absorption is quite low. And then to John's point, the data set is relatively small. I mean, the thing about Brooklyn is we have a luxury market, but there aren't that many trades that happen above two, three million. You'd be surprised at how small that market actually is. You know, my Brooklyn buyers are suffering from the same illness oh. as many Manhattan buyers, perception of where the market's going. Mm. They're right. terrified that uh, we haven't seen the bottom. And as we mentioned earlier, they find something they love in Brooklyn and their father-in-law uh, tells them, are you kidding? The market's going down. Wait. So there's a real hesitation. <clears throat> Everybody's looking for that finite time when the market starts to rally again and then they're too late. But that's the herd mentality. Everyone's pausing right now and kind of saying, okay, my father's telling me not to do this. Or what did you say, Vince? An architect told somebody that a property was overpriced and they backed out of a deal. So All these real estate experts. Yeah, all these real estate experts. But the fact of the matter is we're in a historic time right now. We have low interest rates. Brooklyn, you know, the prices are going down, as Ari mm-hmm. just mentioned. So it's like in, in, in new development, you can get, you know, awesome deals. So why aren't people out there making aggressive offers, not just on one property, make five offers? I, 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 I totally agree. But I think there's a fundamental disconnect. I think prices, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say this as a real estate professional, but they are going down and they will continue to go down. I mean, the macro economy, you look mm-hmm. at when Correct. Trump was elected, the Dow was at 18, 19,000. It's now at like 24, 25, depending on the day. So. Mm-hmm. There's been a massive run-up in the macro economy. Unemployment is at an all-time low, as low as it's ever been since the 1960s. And there is going to be a recession. That's just how the economy moves. And mm-hmm. so, you know, New York City real estate is flat to down since 2014. The U.S. macro economy is higher than it's ever been. When the macro economy comes down, our market can't go up. That just doesn't make any logical sense. And then you add in supply. You add in a whole bunch of other factors. You add in rising interest rates, tax reform, you know, unhappiness with the political environment. And it's kind of a perfect storm. So mm-hmm. It's, it's a perfect storm. But Nikki and I were right. talking at the start of the big, before the show in the green room and she said something about the deals are still happening as we all know that not sure. fast and furious as we want them to be but 
you said something like five it deals are trading within a five percent margin of of selling Last of asking, asking price. price so of asking oh. price five percent. So that's not a bad you know yeah. concession. That's so to speak. Last it's asking price though. Yeah, it's not. Well, the last asking price. price. The last yeah. asking Your initial price. asking okay. price. Absolutely. Key to this market is pricing correctly, Absolutely. and we Absolutely. as professionals need to double down on that with our sellers. I was just speaking at an industry event, and I said, "Your responsibility is no is to." no longer try to sell an exclusive listing yeah. to the to the seller. Mm. Uh, your responsibility is to price it correctly. If you're pricing it correctly, you're going to get this deal done. You have to quit overpricing, quit trying to outprice your competitors mm-hmm. and do it right. It'll come back to you if, if you don't get it the first time around. I've been the third wife many... <laughs> Love that. Far too many <laughs> times. We will <laughs> take the third and fourth or second, whatever it is. Yeah. It's fine. They always say it's better the second time around, right? And, we, and who knows? Third time's a charm. Third time's a charm. <laughs> anyway, during the New York's uh, real estate boom, giant uh, apartment towers soared into the clouds, but now the market has cooled and some of the developers are producing some extraordinarily small, tiny townhomes. I was very intrigued by this article. On a cobblestone lower Manhattan Street near the approach to the Brooklyn Bridge, probably Lower East Side, a four-story house is about to go on the market for $5 million, and the widest room in that house is 10 feet. Okay? So, you know, we see all these tiny house shows on HGTV Mm -hmm. around the world and little trailers and whatever else, and people are intrigued by that. But how, I mean, is is there a marketplace in New York City in Manhattan particular for this type of house? Sure. Sure. Believe it or not, yeah. Yeah. At five million, no, that's not the right price. No, right at the right price. People buy studios; they buy fifth floor walk-ups. Of course, there is. And if you can purchase a townhouse for less than what it would cost to purchase a much larger townhouse, people still feel like they're buying the brand of townhouse, house living. Mm -hmm. Yes, right. Even if it's much smaller, the price has to reflect that. Of course, I wonder how wide. They're not paying common charges. That's right. Correct. Yeah. And, and right, excuse me, price per square foot, townhouses are still the best deal in Manhattan overall. Right. And that would be one of the few yes, places that you could buy and legally rent out under 30 days because it's like a single structure under three. You know, yeah, you know, right. most places you can't do that, co-op, condo, We're et cetera. We're going to talk about Airbnb in the next segment. <laughs> right, so, yeah. right. But it's one of the few, like a townhouse. You know, really not a problem. Freely. You can do it freely, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. And you can probably get a return if you're going to rent that out short term. So I'm just saying there are some investors of all the properties out there, there's not much to like if you're an investor. This kind of property, they actually may like. I had this conversation with a client yesterday that wanted to buy something and Mm -hmm. rent it out through Airbnb. And I'll save it for that. But we had that same conversation. He's like, what about buying a townhouse? And he's like, oh, does that make it easier? And I said, well, I can't give you legal advice, but let's talk about <laughs> but yes. townhouse. Yeah. It's interesting. Like my, my business partner, Bo Paulson, sold the narrowest townhouse ever in Manhattan. Nine and a half foot uh, wide. Whoa. 75, oh, yeah. oh, 75.5 Bedford yes. six years ago for three and a quarter. I mean, really? still still holds the record. Yeah, <laughs> your partner. Nine, I think that's, that's pretty tight. tight. That's pretty I tight. think there is a market for it, and it's Nine people and who have not feet. had townhouse living in the past. It's people who are new to the townhouse market that have lived in a doorman building, which is kind of like a dormitory, and they right. want privacy. They want something new, and that's the that's the market for. They want a backyard. I, I I they have a dog. <laughs> well, there you go. True. And Jeff would love the backyard, but I, but I agree. I think, you know, that's fine. But the only thing I said is the, the, the widest room is 10 feet, but then you think probably the average bedroom size in New York is 10 feet anyway, right? 10 by 11. Right. Yeah, but the largest room, yeah. so right. the largest room is typically the, the living, living room. room. I mean, I can't imagine in a nine and a half foot house I and that's either. gross but how long right. is so it? then how you're deep is it? 
Uh, I don't know. That, that that's would be enough for me and Jed. I can't even imagine a family in that. I mean, yeah. John can spread his it, arms I in that. Yeah. 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 I can do jumping jacks for good. Anyway, moving on to Long Island City. So Amazon is nearing a deal to move as many as 25,000 employees to LIC, and they're being welcomed by everybody. So my quick question before we go to break is, obviously that's good news for the city. Uh, that's good news for Long Island City. What is it going to do to the real estate market out there? For obvious reason, it's going to be booming, probably. Mm -hmm. 25,000 people need to find homes, yeah. Yeah. right? Well, we're bullish on my team. In fact, today we're interviewing two candidates. You're opening an LIC office. <laughs> LIC <laughs> desk. <laughs> LIC <laughs> desk. <laughs> interviewing today for the head of, of it. Yeah, well, you must stay ahead of this market. Not that we're ahead of it. It's 100%. been announced. But clearly there's going to be volume You're opportunity out there. And we're going to grab it. It's on my Good list of things you. to do today to send a search to buyers who said, to show me Long Island City back yeah. so. do, do you know, this is kind of in, in response, Ari, your, your discussion about the macro. Um, even if macroeconomically uh, things are sort of changing and gearing us up towards some type of decline, it's things like this in New York City mm -hmm. that to a degree protect us a little bit more than some other places in our nation. Because uh, we even when values may be flattening out or sinking some, as long as we're an international enough city that people want to headquarter here, I think that, that helps you know, protect some regions. I, I think that's true. I mean, I'll give the counter argument. I think y you will see that the vast majority of the Amazon employees will be renters. They won't buy. Correct. Um, I've worked with a lot of Amazon clients. First of all, the salaries are not high enough. Many of them can't afford to buy unless they're in dual income households. Second of all, they're being relocated here, so they're not just going to immediately jump in and buy. Um, and third of all, there's an enormous amount of product right now in Long Island City, and all these developers who theoretically may be overbuilt now look like geniuses because there's all the supply <laughs> with concessions exactly. and what have you. So I think what you're going to find is that 80, 90 percent of these people, at least in the first couple of years, are going to be renters. But 70 plus percent of the people in New York City are renters. Correct. And so the value of that, and right. I agree, it's is the majority of renters. If the, if the investors are happy because their places are rented out faster, then a happy investor spends more money. Sure. No, so it's, it's, it's good. Yeah. It's great for it's the economy. There's no way it's not good. But I just think that it's not going to have the immediate direct impact Maybe, on the yeah, purchase not direct market immediately. that people Spending in general right, in the economy, some will be purchasing, some will be renting. But it, but if, if it depletes some of that inventory that is that already great, out there, sure. that'll be fantastic. Absolutely. All right, we've got to take a break. We're going to come back. Fourth segment and talk about Airbnb, everybody's favorite mm. topic. <laughs> this is Good Morning New York, live from New York. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters. Performing at the top of their game, each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back in segment four. We're going to be talking to the panel again, Tracy Hammersley, Anna Shagalov, Ari Harkoff, Phil Horrigan, uh, Lundgren, Brian Giambalvo, and John Harrison, and Nikki Field is still with us. All right, so the, the hot topic for the for the program today is Airbnb. A team of New York City law enforcement officers recently swarmed a Manhattan condominium last month, issuing 27 notices of violations in one building for illegal hotel use in one of the largest crackdowns on short-term rentals, such as those listed on Airbnb's site. The raid at the Atelier a 46-story uh, uh, mm-hmm. midtown really luxury surprising. tower can be, well, that's what I said, yeah. uh, a sign of what's to come. So, you know, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, religion, so to speak, <laughs> put around the topic of Airbnb. You're either <clears throat> for it, you're not for it, you support it, you don't support it. It's interrupting my building, et cetera. But when you are in a 46-story tower, and I don't remember, how many units are in that building? I don't even remember. A lot. 300? 400. 400. I think yeah. more. Yeah. Hundreds, I mean, yeah. you know, if I'm buying a condominium and I'm spending millions of dollars for a condominium, I don't want to have, this is my personal rant, yes. I don't want to have Preach. people next to me coming and going like it's in a hotel. Nope. I want to know my neighbors. I've always preferred co-ops for that particular reason. Well, in a city that there's happening? so much discretion over who <clears throat> who anyone's selling to, how has that even gotten this far? How has what gotten this far? People just the Airbnb thing. I because mean, people cheat and they try and cheat, get away with but it. It's, I mean, Is there it, are eyeballs everywhere. Doing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Given an opportunity, paid, I know how opportunity that to make money. Dormant people are going to go after it. Yeah, there's doesn't mean that it happens less in dormant buildings, though. I think sometimes it's safer. No, as I say, there's a so there's a tremendous lack of transparency, and there really is, and that's how. And you know, an Airbnb, for example, they don't list the addresses anywhere on Airbnb, right? Now they claim it for privacy reasons, but look at all these other websites out there. The real address is out on every, all the good websites have the real address posted, right? Think about the websites that are out there. Real right. estate, they don't have them. The reason is because they know that 80 to 90% of the listings are illegal. They're illegal. On Airbnb, but there's really two reasons why they're illegal. Well, that, that's my my my, my right. dilemma. So you can't be in a place. You cannot rent out a place for under 30 days if you're not present. If the unit, if you're in a building with units of three or more, so that means basically most buildings, almost every building in Manhattan, it's illegal to do that. But the second piece people don't talk about as much is just the lease agreement between a landlord and a tenant also make it illegal for you to rent out. You know, because a lot of these, what a lot of tenants do, and I see this, people try to do this on lease break, and they try to do it on other websites too, is they'll go, they'll pretend they're the primary tenant, they'll go to a landlord, they'll rent out a unit, and then the intention is really just to Airbnb it. Then they'll go get another unit, and they'll pretend that this is their second unit, right? They pretend they're the primary unit for that unit, and all their intention is, is to rent it out to a sub lessee. What about the law that says this is not legal in New York City? You can be heavily fined. You can right. lose your condo. You could lose your home. What about the law? Don't people understand? Well, I mean, it's a very lucrative well, market. What, I mean, yeah, well, we're doing a deal right now. In one of our rental buildings. We're renting six studios to a short-term company. They rent them at market rate. They pay very full rents, and then they turn around and sublease them out. But it's minimum of thirty days, mm-hmm. so they're doing it legally. But it's a very it's a very successful business. They can make the spread on that. I mean, you think well, about what a hotel room costs. Well, Ari, are you talking about so 30 days or more is legal. Well, so 30 I'll, days or more yeah. is legal. That, so, no, that, right. he said, yeah, they're yeah. doing it legally, right, but, it's a, but there's a lot of money to be made. 
business executives, tourists, etc. One hundred percent. But we all know the 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 deal with Airbnb. It's mm-hmm. one night, two nights, one week, two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's their average day is six days. Six days okay. is their average they, day on Airbnb. I, I think the reason people do it is because it's I've easy them to in do. My condo building. I mean, it's yeah. many no, times for, sure. for the most part easy to get away with, and it's very lucrative because you can you can cover your payments and then still access your place. Like we have a place. Uh, in Pennsylvania that we Airbnb and VRBO and basically rent right. out, right. we're totally allowed to do it. And we pay taxes. We basically pay hotel taxes. Yes. So I think that's the difference is that in New York, you just can't. In a lot of other places, you can't. But it's easy to do. It's lucrative. All right. So my question becomes, you know, because people say, well, why is it legal in Pennsylvania and, and anywhere upstate New York, up in West, anywhere, you know, where you own your deeded home, you can do this. So people say to me, so why is it so illegal in New York City or what? What is the problem it presents to people in New York City? Anybody? It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's the obvious. It's because right? of city living. So, I mean, you're living in a building with hundreds of other people. And so there's fire codes, there's laws, there's things that, you know, you're, you as the tenant were vetted by the landlord. Now there's someone that's just coming in every night, that's a different person. Yeah. There's security issues. So there is, look, there there is a real, Tax I guess. murderer. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a world in which, I guess, companies like Airbnb could sit down with the city and come up with something that would be legal, that would work for everybody. That would be okay, but that's not what's happening. Well, it's I not, think it and I think it's down more to- of a human interest story as well. Like I said at the top of the story, you know, I don't want to live next door to somebody opening and closing the door every two nights <laughs> with somebody rolling in and somebody meeting them in the lobby with a... a, a bunch of towels and soap i've seen this and i'm like yeah oh gosh what are you what is i mean what no, is thank this? you so that's the practical no, responses that there there is a way that if if there was too transient uh a nature of a building then people wouldn't enjoy living there and, and wouldn't want to invest but the other However, issue is that you a lot don't of always funding. know that you don't always know what's going on I'm, behind those doors let's look at let's look at um you know uber versus the Versus the Taxi Limousine Commission. Oh, we're going to have it's, Uber stories? Uh, no, no, I just mean, no, but it's there. <laughs> there is money that is also fighting against this. Because they're right. not saying you can't Airbnb. They're just saying you can't do it for less than 30 days because now you're infringing right. on hotel territory. Yeah. And hotels are paying the proper taxes. I would bet, though, if they changed their business model to do the 30 days or greater, they still would have a good business. They would. They would. Because you're still undercutting the prices of the hotel. But like if you look out east, for example, a lot of towns out east on the South Fork and the North Fork have have put in place two-week minimums. And all these people that bought investment properties now are suffering because they were getting weekenders, they were getting one-week rentals, and now they're stuck with two weeks. And a lot of them are done illegally anyway because there's not a lot of demand for two weeks or greater in many towns. And that's exactly why they they don't want to ask for permission. And it's the same thing. Like some party group is pulling up with their car and whatever, and then the next person and they're not taking the trash out and it's all this, it's the same issue but remember just hey if you forgot your toothbrush I have plenty in the trunk would you like one <laughs> <laughs> not a problem but, but you just are allowed to Airbnb for three days or two days if you are staying there if it's a room in your correct home or something like that yeah, you I mean, don't have the 30 day issue so Airbnb they, they don't want to have to examine listen, every single property I've heard of horror stories in rental buildings rental buildings people paying rent I mean good rents and they have you know an extra bedroom because uh, the kids moved out or whatever they just have an extra bedroom and they're renting to Airbnb in their rental buildings. Now, I mean, can you imagine the drama with that? I mean, now Completely you're breaking illegal. lease violations, yeah. your landlord violations, breaking the law on 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 the law of uh, Airbnb uh, stuff here in New York City. They're renting out a room. I wouldn't sleep at night knowing that some stranger is sleeping in the bedroom oh. bedroom next to me, especially if you have kids in the apartment. What the hell? I mean, it's like it's it's completely out of control. Yeah. And I don't know how we 
manage it's that. Capitalism. <laughs> well, we live we live in a city that's very expensive, and when somebody has an opportunity to make a buck, they're going to take that opportunity. That's the bottom line. And that's, how big is that the task force again? That's assigned to Airbnb. Well, they raided an entire 46-story building. Yeah, I don't know the size of the task, task force. force uh, but it's my understanding that the task force is not very big. It's yeah. not. And they, it's not. they have a couple million dollar budget, and the amount of people that are going and doing this, it's worth it to take the risk and say, all right, well, look, that building, let one building get slammed well, while I'm operating 30 in di- 30 different buildings because I know what's happening. In, in the case of the atelier, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that go on in that building anyway. Yeah, so I, legislation there, there always is... A yes, that's the tip of the iceberg in the atelier. That's a tip of the iceberg. Okay, so there's always something going on. Over there. And As we all know, he shall remain nameless. Yes, but, but the legislation the day, is changing too, which is why you know the whole February issue. In February, there's supposed to be a new law that will, I believe, what's proposed is for Airbnb to be forced to turn over a list of the New York City bookings, and which working, that probably working. goes into the tax. It, assuming that goes forward, that's what they probably use as their as their worksheet. Okay, and for again, buildings to target. Yeah. yeah, legislation is still always out there. It's still always of on course. the board. Let's see where it ends right. up. But at the end of the day, how many of you, and I've had this only a couple mm-hmm. of times, but I've had it absolutely, you know, condo buyers refer to you, oh, go to talk to Vince, you, you can, you know, buy a condo, blah, 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 whatever. And you're out the first, maybe the second time, and all of a sudden it comes out. <laughs> and you know they're an investor right. anyway. Oh, yeah, I want this and I want that because I want to Airbnb it. And I say, no, 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 no. Well, yeah. but you can't tell me what to do. I said, but I don't have to sell it to you. Because Absolutely. now I, I know what you want to do, and I cannot do that, and blah, blah, whatever. But people yeah, still. You can't be on the hook for that. Mm-hmm. You can't it's be on the hook worth for that. It. It's not worth right. it. Yeah. I Who's gonna, who is going to know? The last time this happened was about a year ago. Who is going to know? Uh, trust me, someone's going to know right away, like your mm-hmm. doorman. And condos are getting smart about it. Condos are getting smart about it and putting it in the yes. house rules. Yes. Well, I've had tenants yes. that have. It's always been in the house in. rules. Lately, but they still. But now they're enforcing. Somebody said to me the other day, um, "Oh, the board asked me if I read in my interview. The board asked me if I read the house rules." And I mm-hmm. said, "Uh oh, here we go." And I said, <laughs> "Did you say yes?" And they said, "Yes, we did." But you know what, Vince? We really didn't. <laughs> but yet we signed the writers and said we did for page. our board package. At least you said yes, because if you said no, they'd be like, "Oh, really? So you don't even know what goes on in this building or what needs to go on in this?" Right. I couldn't even believe they said that to me. But they were smart enough to say, oh, yeah, we did. They were well taught. <laughs> and by the way, yeah. someone just mentioned it, but I totally agree. If you're working, Well told what if, not to say and what to say. Trust if, you're, uh, <laughs> if you're working with an owner who's renting out their place, you should highly suggest that they do put a clause in the lease specifically about this. Not just because this way they can get in trouble, but this way when they read the lease, okay, before they sign the lease, they may not even, they may say, oh, I changed my mind, but really it's because, (laughs) really it's because of that clause. So Mm -hmm. I guess my point is it's a way to kind of like get out, screen, deter, you know, so it just kind of, it kind of comes out in the process. All right, we've got to leave it on that note. It is not legal in New York is my, my mantra, so don't do it. We are out of time. That's it for today. <laughs> oh, Thanks to Nikki wow. Field, as always, for joining us from Sotheby's International. Shoot for the moon, everyone. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars and smile in the mirror and do that every morning, and you'll see what a big difference it makes in your life. Thank you, Yoko Ono, for that one. Be kind to one another. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.